When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. I think you've got to be obsessed. Like I think about football every second of the day. I, I'm dreaming of football. I, I, there's so many mornings I wake up and I think of a new coaching practice. So- The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies. I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA, alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds an FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching, with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways, alongside a vast experience on individual, player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Coaches Network. My name is Coach Yas, and today I'm going to be joined by my co-host, as usual, Ben. How's it going, Ben? It's ready for an insightful chat. Good. Um, And today we've got a very special guest with us today. Um, lead nines and tens coach at West Ham United's Academy, Ross Brooks. Good morning, Ross. How are you, mate? Yeah, good morning. Yes, good morning, Ben. Yeah, thanks for for having us. Uh, looking forward to to it. So, um, yeah, all good. Thank you. Perfect. Look, I'm not going to waste any time, Ross. I'm going to get straight into it. So, get right to the heart of your journey. <laughs> Where did that coaching journey begin for you? Um, yeah, really. Uh, um, I was sort of playing, but um, I sort of went on to a. Uh, a coach's course at Norwich City when I was about 14 uh, called the Junior Football Organisers course which was sort of, sort of designed really to help young people get into get into coaching uh, and I did that and I remember helping out with a, a group of kids um, sort of age ranging to I think the ages of four and six I loved it um, and then I suppose as time went on and I realised probably becoming a professional footballer wasn't gonna gonna happen um probably my year 11 year I remember leaving school early to jump on a bus to go down to Carrow Road and um, sort of next to Norwich Stadium and, and help out with the younger ones after school and on Saturday mornings and I spent so much time volunteering because uh, I so desperately wanted to get into into coaching um, and sort of then landed a part-time role um, going into schools predominantly for Norwich and uh, yeah um, I remember jumping on buses to go around the city and different parts to go into schools with my coaching bag and my footballs and stuff uh, delivering after school clubs and morning sessions and and then I remember the 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 dream of being able to eventually drive and I thought wow this is gonna gonna be a game changer only to realize it's probably gonna make me drive even further to go out and do more coaching sessions so 
probably from that those yeah early parts it was predominantly working in the community um i mean i work with sort of disability i work with boys football girls football after school clubs gifted and talented um little kids i even did some sessions with 60 and 70 year olds uh yeah so i had a real broad range of different experiences at those younger age groups and um whilst i was playing under 18 football that was for me where i started to really want to look at um how i can make this into a career um so whilst i was doing my a levels um started to take it more seriously um and that's where i sort of probably made that decision not to go to university and go down a route where i felt it was going to hopefully give me a a really good opportunity of earning earning money in in full-time football um and it took probably quite a while for that to happen. But those experiences that when I first started have really helped shape um, me as a coach, I think. Definitely. And, you know, just talking about Nick, what would you say some of the key things um, you thought there have been about being shaped as a coach? What would be some of the key things that you said that made going into coaching that you would have considered uh, um, or maybe adopted now that, you, now that you've had some experience? as you touched it, shaping your journey and your, I guess, your, your mindset around what coaching should look like? Yeah, I think for me, probably the most important thing whenever I speak to young coaches about it, I think it's practice. Um, go and get practice. Go and deliver. Uh, I think probably in the last 10 years, um, I think when I started in 2008, uh, I didn't really have access to uh, uh, YouTube and um uh, Twitter and Instagram and all these uh, coaching websites and stuff. I think there was only probably one coaching website that I maybe got videos from at the time. But um, really, my mindset was just about getting as many hours as I possibly could at. And I had actually started volunteering with probably one of my, my closest friends. And I think we had a bit of a competition on who could get the most hours of practice in. So <laughs> I think from that that time earlier on, I think, a bad competition. Yeah, we, oh, it's brilliant. Uh, I think even now we probably, I think between us, we sort of probably hit 200, 300 hours worth of voluntary time um, doing sessions, you know, probably for a year, year and a half. Um, sort of gets us getting experience. So I think for anyone going into coaching now, I think the most important thing for them would be to go and get practice, go and actually deliver, understand that process of what it is to be a coach. I think you can get some brilliant resources out there, which you can obviously apply and try uh, to use. But I think the the practice and the hours you put in are really, really important. Um, and I think what how that's helped me now as a coach looking back is that I was fortunate enough to, whilst not, I didn't always enjoy it at the time, I was fortunate enough to get practice in such a broad range of different environments, working with so many different ranges of ages and abilities. Um, I think it's it's helped me to understand how I need to adapt with dealing with different types of people. And that's ultimately what the job is. You know, you're, you're having to work with adults, parents, kids, other staff all the time. You're having to adapt how you communicate and how you work with, with those people. And I guess that practice that I had at the early stages sort of really has helped me to have a, you know, refine my skill set around that. I'm still not perfect. I've got a long way to go with that, but uh, it's certainly a lot better than what it was uh, when I first started. Definitely. Just kind of touching on there, you talked there about, you know, that almost a little competition between you and your colleague or your peer, your friend, mate. Yeah. Um, how important do you think that is? Because I think a lot of coaches, you know, don't, um, and not, not, not in terms of having a competition, but having a goal to say that I'm actually going to go out and I'm going to get a certain number of hours under my belt. Because I feel like a, this is quite. There's always a bit of a conversation around this one. You know, I'm, I, in one of my roles, I actually deliver level one to level two for the FA, and the amount of coaches I've got coming on the course and say, "Yeah, I've been coaching for about 15 years, but but they're still only doing a level one or they're only doing a level two, um, and not actually understand that within those years of coaching, you might have only been coaching an yeah. hour a week. Um, you know, I, I felt like, for instance, myself. If I look back at my own journey, going back about maybe three, four years ago, I was, I was a period of time where I was doing literally about maybe 28 to 30 hours a week on the grass each week for a whole year. And I can personally say that the development I felt and the improvements I felt in my work were immense. Mm. Um, and I'm not, you know, not in any doubt that it had a lot 
to do with the amount of time I was spending on the grass in that period of time. Um, obviously, additionally, doing some reflection and, and review over that. Do you mind just talking to that a little bit around how important it is to actually get those hours under your belt, but also being intentional and deliberate around how and why you're doing it? Yeah, I think, I mean, to be honest, my sole motivation for those hours at the time were to get a job. So I wanted to sort of prove my worth. I wanted to show at the time that I was willing to go above and beyond uh, and show my commitment because I suppose there's always this element of uh, reluctancy and hesitation about employing younger coaches because of their experience, um, you know, because mm. they're, you know, worries around, uh, you know, how serious they are about it. And obviously, you get a lot of coaches that, um, which is completely fine as well, by the way, they just want to get a little bit of money and use it as a bit of a hobby. But I was, I wanted to show I was deadly serious about this. This wasn't just a thing that I've just woken up one morning and thought I'd give this a go. It was like, I, I generally want to have a career in this. Um, so for me, that, that was the purpose of the hours. I was fortunate I had someone else to do with it alongside with me at the time. Um, I think now looking back, if I know what I know now, when you look at most people that are successful, uh, I've sort of read and um, listened to a few few uh, podcasts and so forth. And, uh, you know, y- y- the amount of successful people, whatever you class success at, that have put the hours in to get to the point where they are. You know, obviously you've got the 10,000 hour theory and, you know, all these different concepts. But I, I suppose that is the case. I think anyway, if you're looking at a player, for a player to develop, they've got to put the time in. It's just the same as anyone working within their, their industry. Um I didn't really think about it like that at the time, but now looking back, that was probably what that time allowed me to to gain, and it probably just get allowed me to get ahead of people of my own age because already I'd had this amount of experience. I'd already got myself uh, a part-time role. I was already got my level one. Really, then got my level two at, at seventeen. You know, so I was already in a position where I could get paid paid work quite early on, and I was desperate for it. So I knew I wasn't going to go to university. So I was like, right. I'm going to leave school at 18. What, what, what am I going to do? So my motivation was to make sure I could earn ends meet and, and sustain a, a decent life. And I, I, didn't, you know, I didn't really want to go and work in, uh, in a, you know, go and work in retail or work at a supermarket. I was like, my, my only focus was coaching. Um, mm. And to be fair, I was really fortunate that that, I had a couple. I had one job where I worked at um, a restaurant and I was cleaning tables. I think that was the only time where I had something different to sort of supplement my income. But the rest of the, the rest of the time, yeah. all the income that I made at those early stages was just through coaching. I was quite determined not to do anything else, I guess. <laughs> um, and and I suppose I, I always find found a way. So yeah, I think that time's in, invaluable. Um, for practice for i suppose testing your commitment for um you know really making sure what you're gonna put in you're gonna you you know it's worth it so um you have to make an awful lot of sacrifices i suppose along that way too um you know not going out in the evenings if you're coaching the next the next day not seeing your family as much because you're working the weekends you're working four or five evenings a week um you know you're not you might have a, a morning breakfast club at 7 30 in the morning so you're gonna have to get up pretty early for that so it's all these all these different things that you have to give up and it's a suppose it's a test of your commitment you know and from there i went out and worked in in america and um that was again another completely different experience as an 18 year old going living independently in in new jersey for a year um i mean that 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 really truly uh made me grow up um, and I probably had to grow up the hard way whilst I was out there too. So I think that answers your question in a long-winded way. Anyway, mm. <laughs> yeah. how old were you at um, that point when you moved to America? Yeah, I was eight, eighteen. Um, so I was fortunate. One of the someone I knew had, had a coaching role out there. Um, so I moved out there, and um, uh, I, I just thought. I had a couple of years now at Norwich and um, I didn't feel probably a full-time role was going to come up at that point. So I had an opportunity to go and earn a, a sort of a full-time role out in the States. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was so different. I mean, I can't believe, looking back now, I'm now 28, like, I can't believe that as an 18-year-old, I went out there <laughs> and all, everyone was a lot older than me and had a lot more experience than me. And I was this 
enthusiastic youngster that um you know <laughs> all these ideas of what coaching looks like and stuff and you know I, I think I probably took a few clips around the here whilst I was out there and um I didn't probably think about it at the time because I was so fixated on my way but now looking back I, I learned an awful lot from that experience really of probably how to deal with people and um you know whilst it's great to be enthusiastic and great to be ideas it's really important you make sure you're open to other people's ideas and you don't solely believe in your in your own um yeah like just uh on that and just for the aid of our listeners like how did you get involved in such an opportunity because i can imagine that like you know there's some people that may be interested in you know potentially going to america as well yeah i think i spent um as once i started to realize i probably wasn't gonna get a full-time role at norwich i spent hours and hours searching the web for jobs i think mm. i remember downloading uh, a list i found this list of all the academies in america like all the colleges all the mls clubs all the private academies and i literally went from state to state <laughs> sending my cv and cover letter to as many clubs as i possibly could and i got a few responses a lot a lot saying no <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'd have to be a US citizen, etc. And you know, I spent an awful lot of time for that. And that was tough. Um, you know, so I, was, I was quite set on going out there for the for the experience. But I'm just fortunate someone who was a few years older than me had a job there at this club and really recommended it. So um, I just went onto this particular club's website and found a job um, and applied for it. And next thing I know, I was getting a tube uh, from uh, or trained from Norwich to London to to go and have an interview with a with a, with a coach who was doing the interviews and stuff and yeah it sort of came from from that really um, but yeah I think now when you're looking for jobs and stuff there's certainly a lot more opportunities out in America um, than what there was ten years ago mm. even more of an increase and more evolution of of soccer out out there and the, the program with the MLS etc is now is growing and, and will continue to grow I suppose with that will bring more competition for roles but there's definitely opportunities out there I think now also what's different is that you've got the scholarship route where if you're mm. 17 18 and you're enjoying your playing you can go and get a scholarship out and play and, and also learn do some coaching on top of that as well which I, 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 I never had that opportunity when I was I was younger so I suppose that's another route too no, definitely. And just in regards to the sort of um, differences there, because you, you, you're speaking about like, you know, the like the different sort of ways of communicating and, and whatnot that you started to kind of gauge uh, when you were at Norwich. Um, what sort of differences did you see in terms of like the, the culture then uh, with the sport uh, between like America and like, you know, people in the UK? Yeah, it's a great question. Um I think there was a bit more of an innocence around it. I feel like you could pretty much deliver any type of practice or session and uh, the coaches and the parents would love it as long as you were enthusiastic and put the kids, puts a smile on their faces. So I, mm. I didn't feel under as much pressure by the what I was working with, you know, because there's a little bit more less... I felt there was maybe where I was working at grassroots and, and stuff, there's a little bit more less of an understanding of what I suppose a coaching session should look like or what uh, soccer is. Um, so I suppose in some ways you're under a little bit less uh, less pressure. Um, I think the other thing which I found fascinating when working out there was probably how much more exposure kids got to sport. I remember uh, one of the sessions I had at I think uh, six o'clock in the evening, uh, some of the kids had already done two sports before they got into my sport after school. They would do an after school club from half three to half four then do another after school club from half four to half five and then come and do football and they might do like two other sports before coming and doing their soccer training i'm like oh geez these kids are going to turn up absolutely exhausted but they're all incredibly fit and athletic and very fortunate with the support that they got with through their education through the schools through parents you know i was quite fortunate probably the area that i live was fairly affluent so Mm you know that maybe the kids had a little bit more uh resource and stuff so i think that was probably a big thing you know the volume of play and practice that the kids were getting in terms of across different sports you don't maybe hear as much around that particularly of kids working and playing in academy football or even grassroots um and then probably lastly the games 
you know, I think you you'd have to travel a lot more for your for your matches. Um, I remember traveling. I think three and a half, four hours to upstate New York for one for oh. one game. Yeah, which I mean, a brilliant drive. I think I saw a bear and a deer on the way there, and <laughs> scenery was fantastic. But you know, uh, you put you put a lot of time into into that. Uh, you know, and I think that was the big thing. But you, you, the, there was a real big difference in the game. There was a lot more emphasis on passing and. Um, a lot more longer balls, more direct play, a lot more less emphasis on dribbling and staying on the ball and beating plays. So, you, even within the grassroots environment, you know you, you you see less creativity and less kids trying stuff. But that's probably the nature culturally of their different sports. Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily see that in the other sports. When you think of like American football, you, you don't. You only have one point when you particularly run when you catch the ball and you run it over the line. Hmm. You, you know, it's, basketball is a little bit more flair, but all their sports are a little bit more structured to what I think football can be at the younger age groups, anyway. Hmm. Just kind of just on on your journey now. You, you know, we touched on at the top of the episode that. You work currently working at West Ham. Uh, now, that's where you. That's where you were. Now, also spent a couple of times at a couple few different clubs in between. Yeah, yeah. Now, so I had, isn't that correct? Right, yeah. Uh, and just looking at Cambridge and Lincoln in particular, can you mind just talking about some of the experiences uh, with those clubs and what your roles were there? And yeah, you know, sure. Um, got to, got to basically, I, I think when I was working for a company called Kirby Coaching in Norwich. Um, I managed to get into my B license, I think, in 2014. Um, and I wanted to go into academy coaching. So, again, the the role at Norwich wasn't available because of my other job. I couldn't get a full-time role at Norwich. I could only get a part-time job. And I think at the time, I was remembered, like, I've got everything. I've got my B license. I've got experience. I've worked out here. But I hadn't really got anything to justify a warrant a full-time job compared to the, the people that were going for, for the roles. I think, again, I think that's probably the, the, the nature, I think, of young, you know, younger people. I think there's, uh, like, from my own experience, you sort of expect more than you're probably realistically getting. You know, you mentioned it earlier about the amount of hours, you know, you've left 15 years' worth uh, of experience, but only be working an hour in a week. So I suppose there was an expectation to go full-time a lot sooner than was possible. So... Anyway, it's I, I, similar to what I did in the States. I was looking at all these different clubs. I had no idea about League Two and League One at this time. So I was applying <laughs> to clubs like Northampton and Peterborough and Colchester, Ipswich, uh, Cambridge United. I didn't know anything about Cambridge United. You know, I was applying for all these lower league clubs that I felt, right, if I'm living in Norwich, I could, I could probably do in an hour and 15-minute drive to, to, to Cambridge and come back and then do my other job, you know, where I was full-time too. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I, I landed an interview and um, I got a, got a part-time role to lead the under-9s um, and I'd finished my B licence by that point. Um, so I was managing my other job and doing that in the evening. So I was working full-time with Norwich and then I'd go into Cambridge, I think, uh, three times a week and then the games on the Sunday, so four times a week. So at that point, I was working Every evening, every I was doing Saturday morning, Saturday afternoons. Then I was doing Sunday games, so I literally was working every every possible point that I could and traveling too. Uh, but that was, I mean, that was an incredible experience, um, yeah. you know. And, and from there, I had a year of that, and um, I then got given an opportunity to lead the futsal program for the club. Um, they wanted me to do that full time, uh, which is quite funny because. Uh, I, I joined at the time where the club had basically got um, done, got promoted, and then uh, got through to the to the round of um, to the FA Cup round where they played Manchester United. And my uh, my interview as such was uh, sitting in the CEO's office, and he asked me to help him out with selling some tickets. So <laughs> one of the times I I actually was end up uh, on the call, I had I was I, my my role was to sell tickets to players' families. So I actually rang up Dion Dublin's brother, <laughs> selling, <laughs> selling him tickets, and uh, yeah, I did that. And the next day, uh, yeah, he said, "Oh, yeah, we'd like you to do the futsal and stuff." So, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> but I ended up selling some tickets and uh, using my initiative, and yeah, got a role, and and uh, we basically set up a program with 
for futsal at Cambridge United. That that allowed me to go full time, and my partner and I eventually moved to moved to Cambridge, and uh, yeah, we've been here ever since. Um, and then I worked doing the futsal, coaching in the academy um, alongside that. Um, then my role changed to run school sports uh, whilst doing the academy job, and that was a beast of a job. I mean, I think we had about eighty schools that um, I was responsible for for managing, um, and that that there was a lot of pressure on there because it was such a significant uh, amount for the club's budget from the you know that that particular side of the community. So yeah, there was a lot of work going into that, and then um, I sort of. Probably after a few years again to know the academy and stuff, I, I really wanted to go full time solely in academy football. And like my other two roles, I was like, I didn't really care where I went. I was just like, I know I need to do this role, so I'm just going to apply everywhere. Um, so I applied for lots of different jobs again, and uh, the job at Lincoln came up. And uh, yeah, I guess I had no idea about Lincoln City. Um, <laughs> I joined the club when they got promoted, like I joined Cambridge United when they got promoted. So I joined both clubs at exactly the same time, and I've got coming in for the glory days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, which was quite nice because I kind of I got to see how a club can evolve and and change over a couple of years at both both clubs. And uh, I mean, I was very fortunate. I joined Lincoln at a brilliant time when uh, Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley were leading the first team, and there was a real. Uh, buzz around the club and obviously the club went on and, and they're still doing incredibly well um, but it was a very I mean being in Cambridge was one thing but being in Lincolnshire was very very different uh, you know I, I that was a I mean that was driving an hour and 45 two hours every day there and back you know and, and committing a lot and it was very different culturally to what I'd experienced before um, but again a, a, a brilliant brilliant role And just, you know, just talking about, you know, that role there at Lincoln, what was the role that you had there? Because obviously you yeah. took the lead lines role at Cambridge. Yeah, so I went on and became the foundation phase lead. So uh, my job my job was to oversee the 9s to 12s okay. full time. Um, uh, the club didn't really have a pre-academy. Um, so I think in my first season, about seven or eight months, I ended up setting up a pre-academy with, with, with the guys at the club. So really, my role ended up being under sevens to under twelves lead, uh, which was a lot, um, you know, because I was sort of kit man, scout, recruiter, uh, coach, uh, everything. I actually had this one. I went and covered the summer tournament once, and uh, I was in Norwich at the time. Uh, at whilst working at Skegness, and uh, the guy that was responsible for recruitment rang me up, and he was like, oh, "I've got, a, I've got a tournament for you guys to." to go and go down it's in Skegness I just looked at my sat and I'm like Skegness two and a half hours away right this better be a good grassroots <laughs> tournament there better, there better be some good plays there so I, I drove all the way to Skegness and uh, I got to the venue and there was nothing going on I rang the guys oh. I was like what's happened he said oh no I've got my dates mixed up it's actually uh, it's the next weekend oh dude I <laughs> but this, this oh, so, again oh. these are the things that I suppose behind the scenes people don't appreciate you having to to do, uh, you know, because I was I was desperate to try and make the club better by finding better plays. And whilst Lincolnshire was quite an isolated area, there's so much potential there in terms of because you're the one one sole club, you know, one sole professional club. You've got like obviously Mansfield, not counting some of the Rotherhams and Scunthorpe and Grimsby's, but there's a big area of players. So for me, my job in my mind was to sort of solely recruit and increase the level of players that we had at the club uh, for, for two years, and I felt that. When I left, we were in a much better position than what we were before. Not down just to me, obviously, but because of the work that had been put in by everyone. Yeah, definitely. And I think just on just on that, then, so now moving on to your current role, what would you say uh, some of the key things are that you? Taken from those roles and moving into this one, so obviously now you're working yeah. as a lead nines and tens. I think, for, yeah, Earth. I think for me it's just, uh, I think it's just about. I really appreciate the job that I've got. Um, I'm so grateful for it. Um, I think having gone through everything that I've gone through to now just work and coach with players on a full-time basis is incredible. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm earning a full-time salary whilst doing it. So I'm so happy to, to, to get to the point where I was. I'm not having to do lots and lots of different roles. I'm not having to 
drive all over the country and uh, do different things. You know, I can solely just focus on my job. So uh, now I have probably more appreciation around the other departments and what they do, the work that goes into uh, certain things. Um, yeah, and I think that that's probably the the big thing. I think it's just being an understanding of other people's roles and understanding of the workload that others have to put in to support your job um, would probably be the main thing um, for me. Um, and from a coaching perspective, yeah. I guess um, now it's, for me, it's just about enhancing and becoming more refined with the job that I do, making sure every contact that I have with the kids is, to the maximum have the maximum impact that it possibly can you know and, and probably planning in more detail planning more in advance really think about every decision that you're making uh in terms of their program their games program their coaching program um you know fortunate i think we can give the kids in so so many different experiences so just making sure we pick and choose the right ones at the right time um, would be the thing so that that's where like working with the analysis department working with the sports science yeah. just working with them to really refine the work that I'm doing if that makes sense hmm. definitely and you're just touching on there you talk about they're working with different individuals um, across the different departments but I'd be interested to know like you know throughout your journey if you've maybe had anyone in uh, I guess formally or even informally working with you as a, in in the to the form of a mentor, I know that obviously in, in clubs we've got the head of coaching, we've got the obviously academy directors, academy managers, and whatnot, who are like a senior figures to you in in those uh, situations at times. But have you had any major influences, possibly in the form of a mentor? And I've, you know, I haven't. To be honest, are, I've had lots of people that, that have influenced them. me massively, but I think that's probably one thing I've never felt I've had. I've never really had someone yeah. that's helped me along the way, you know, and guided me on right. You should try this, or you should do that sort of just had to get on with it myself and find my own way um, and make my own decisions and try to probably stand my own two feet and I think yeah. that's probably innate to my character I'm quite independent in nature anyway I'm quite self-driven and I don't really want to rely a great deal on others um, mm. but certainly there's been times along my way where it would have been really nice to have someone to reassure me um, you know what you're doing is the right thing and keep going you know, I had, uh, I've had time where my family, friends, girlfriend, you know, have all sort of said, no, you should try something different. And I'm probably the only one that's feeling like I'm backing me at, at that time. And that was tough. Um, I think now I'm working with other people that have maybe gone through similar yeah. experiences. It's nice because I'm now working with other professionals that have probably put in the same amount of hours and the same amount of commitment. And, and it's easier now, but I never really had that. I think along the way, I've had people that have um, helped me a lot, but they've predominantly been at the clubs I've worked with or in the courses I've done. And you get a different a view because maybe sometimes when you're getting someone mentoring you within the club, you, you kind of sometimes question, right, what is what are they doing it for? Are they trying to get me into a certain role? Are they, um, are they using me to help them? Whereas I think if you're someone impartial, you know that they're doing it genuinely for you. So... From my perspective now, I think that's why yeah. I try to, wherever I can, when people reach out and stuff, I try and give them as much time as I possibly can. Because I know that, for me, if I'd had that, um, it would certainly would have made me from a from my well-being and feeling a bit happier around what I'm doing. It would have certainly helped a lot. And I'm sure that's a big challenge for a lot of coaches out there. Um, no, definitely. I feel like that's a good point that you bring up there. That like... Um, like I probably I probably started around like ten years ago as well, and like the information that we're open to now, especially with this whole period that we're we're going through, is like there's so much uh, for coaches, and like these sort of um, conversations do help. Where like you kind of talk about your journey and and whatnot. There'll be some there'll be something that coaches will not want to do mm. <laughs> that that, yeah. that you that you've done. But like it's it's just highlighting uh, you know how much of an apprenticeship that you have to go through. Um, you know, to get to the stages that you've got into, and yeah. just in regards to, you know, a bit a bit more about your your journey. Like I can imagine that as as you've gone on through the different sort of environments, you started to form your sort of own identity and whatnot. But what would you say are like the fundamentals of your coaching philosophy? 
it's a great question. Um, I think for me, the environment is everything. Mm. I've probably realised it's less and less about the, your coaching points and uh, tactical points and, and stuff like that. Um, I think in my planning now, I want to make sure that every time I deliver a session, the kids turn up thinking, blimey, what the hell's going on here? Like I want it to be, you know, like when you're a kid and you go to a theme park for the first time and you see a ride that you've never seen before. It's like a new ride and you're mm. so excited. That's kind of the feeling I want to give kids when they turn up to training. I want to make it, I want to make it different. I want to make it feel uh, different, you know, and give them uh, a, a unique and different experience each time. So I guess for me, that's probably my focus now when planning. Probably, I try and look at things as much as I can as creatively and as outside the box as I possibly can but in a logical way like I know I can rationalize why I'm doing something but I'm not afraid of trying stuff um even if it goes wrong um I want to I want to be different um Hmm. which is quite difficult in an academy environment and as a coach at times (laughs) um I'm quite fortunate that probably in my roles and current role that I've get, I'm given a little bit of autonomy to do that, but that's not always been the been the case. Um, so yeah, I think that would probably be my my thing is make it experience led, um, give the kids lots of different experiences. You know, really try and be as creative as you possibly can. Show your creativity because I think if you ultimately want to have creative plays, you've got to be creative yourself. Um, and everything's got to be geared around the player. Make it player centered and you know, really think about every single player in your group, treating them fairly and giving them all equal opportunity to to follow their, their dreams, I guess. Um, uh, you know, and, and how you plan and deliver your sessions, obviously, will help support that. And, and I think in, 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 in doing that, you help create a, a connection or a relationship where you're, you're sort of a, a mentor or a guide for, for, for those young kids and their families. Um yeah, that would probably be my thing. Experience-led, player-centred, and um, yeah, that would be my two, probably two big things. Okay, and um, just uh, just in regards to that sort of um, balance there of like, you know, you you want to be creative and in the past you may have had the, you know, a bit of challenge, challenges there. Like, how did you kind of like, look to overcome it. It may it may be that, that you know, certain environments may have been demanded that you do like a certain session design and whatnot. So like how how did you like look to like, you know, kind of overcome that to still give these kids that sort of um feeling of um how as you described it, like being in like a theme park and like ready to go on that ride. Yeah, I think it's pick waiting for the right time. I think just watching people work um, understanding how coaches work, understanding how different people work, you, you'll start which people you can work with like that. With you might mm. have to do it softly with certain staff, you know, if you're if they're your bosses or re- responsible for for you. Uh, and obviously, you've got to find then the right club that probably allows you to do that too. So I think maybe the shotgun approach that I once had, where I'd just go and take any job that I possibly could, I think would be different now. I think I'd be much more selective around the type of club that I would look to join based around my own way of coaching where I feel I would feel happy working within that environment. Um, mm. So I think that would probably be the thing. So for any coaches, go and try and either create that environment yourself with the people you're working with by getting the right types of people in or finding a club that allows you to be you. And ultimately, if you're being yourself and you feel like you can be yourself, you're going to be much more happier with sacrificing the, the amount of time that you have because uh, you're going to be looking forward to going to work, knowing that you can deliver what you feel is right. Um, uh, and, and obviously that then probably justifies, uh, allows you to justify the, the sacrifices you're going to gonna make. Um, yeah, that would probably be, be yeah. it. And you've kind of already uh, like touched on it and like bits all through this sort of conversation, but I just want to delve a bit deeper into it in terms of like, what has been like the sort of biggest challenge uh, for you on your coaching journey and like, how have you been able to deal with it? Yeah. The, um, probably the biggest challenge I had was um, uh, <laughs> being brutally honest, earning enough money to, Mm. keep keep going um there's one point where i got kicked out of house my house and um 
I actually lived in my car for a few weeks uh, whilst I was coaching, and literally my my car had all my had my, my all my clothes and stuff in, I had my coaching bag, my coats, uh, you know, and, and everything. I was driving around my 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 Vauxhall course from session to session, uh, and then staying at my friends and stuff, and that was so tough because. There was, there was really instability in my coaching, you know, in terms of like, is this going to be a career? It's not a steady income. It changes from week to week what I'm earning and then also having the instability in my personal life too. So I think that was probably the biggest, the biggest challenge I had was just persevering with it and having the, the determination to prove everyone wrong that I could, I could make a, uh, a decent career out of myself uh you know and I still feel like I'm still at the early stages of what I'm doing but I'm in a much more secure position than what I was even two or three years ago so um yeah that that would be my my big thing having that determination perseverance through adversity to to, to keep going with coaching um uh, which yeah, which, which is probably bit, has been the biggest challenge so far, and it's still a challenge. It's still a challenge, mm. but it's certainly not as big. No. It's just on that then, Ross. You know, you like that yourself, you know, having to even uh, you know essentially live out your car for a few weeks. And I'm certain there's going to be many coaches listening to this. Uh, probably, yeah. I, I guess relate to that to a certain. To a certain aspect, anyway, um, in terms of the challenges, especially from a financial perspective. But just, just as a whole, do you mind speaking to if there's any particular things that you would do or did? Um, that would yeah, I think having on uh, track. Uh, at the time, I like created myself like a vision board, and um, I kind of looked. At, I was looking at jobs that I wanted and what I needed in terms of qualifications and experience. And so, once I got a rough idea around, okay, I need this qualification, I need this experience. Kind of that was my sole focus of I've got to work towards that. If I'm going to make um, a career out of this, I've got to get that as quickly as I can. And I was really lucky that I got onto courses as I got into certain roles and I was able to move from one role into next. You know, and now I've got, um, you know, the qualifications that I need for, for my for the roles that I'm doing. But I kind of probably move from job to job knowing that I wasn't probably going to stay at that particular job for long but it was just a way of me gaining experience and working up the, the ladder. Uh, I listened to someone speak last week and I thought it really uh, stuck with me and they said there's no there's no lift to success you know you don't jump on a lift and just go from the top to bottom you have mm. to be willing to climb up the stairs to get to, to where you want and uh, that that is pretty much where I'm at I think I've I've just had to stick with it and just knowing that at some point I'm going to get to where I want to go and even now like I'm yeah obviously I've got my ambitions and my my goals that I want to uh, achieve um so it's just in my mind understanding right okay what route am I going to go to get there and 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 also probably I think at the time well when I was younger if I saw someone that I knew that maybe was the same age or had the same qualifications getting a role and I didn't I'd probably get really <laughs> cheesed off that that wasn't me. And that was a good thing because it, it made me more determined to to get better and watch more coaching sessions, plan better and, and improve myself. But, uh, yeah, it, may, it meant me having to, to, to go and, you know, do more. But I think now I look at it and think, well, not everyone's journey is going to be the same. And the same with the players. Not everyone's journey is going to be the same to get to that point. So I think you just got to, from my perspective, as long as I'm earning enough money where I can, live um i'm quite happy uh, I, I just I, I, as long you know and that that gives me a, a good platform and base to hopefully keep keep progressing as, as time goes on um, hmm. i appreciate yeah i appreciate the the honesty there because i feel like um you know football can be glamorized a lot and uh people don't understand that like there's a lot um that people have to do before they can get to you know, like the the top the top levels of the game yeah. and stuff like this, and I could probably have created that for that as well. I, I I'm not not to the extent that you had it, but I had like a year as well when you're just doing like all those sort of different um 
coaching jobs and it's it's just funding enough to put the petrol in the car to get yeah. to the next place get to the next place and stuff yeah. like that. So you really have to love it to do it. Oh, 100%. You really have to love it to do it. Yeah, and that, I mean that's that is the biggest challenge. Like, I guess if I if I if I was doing a different job and I was doing coaching on the side, um, and maybe coaching wasn't something I wanted to pursue as a career, I'm not sure I would keep going with it. But I think because I know that's what I want to do full time. I want to I want to be able to finish my working life knowing that I've done something I've loved to done, and I've had some incredible experiences doing it, and I've also earn enough money to have a house and have a family and stuff like that. That for me is it, you know, I'm not, I don't want to earn like the big bucks. I'm not bothered about that. I just want to be able to look back at my life and think I've had a real impact on people and, you know, work with some incredible people and, and done something that I've loved to do. And I think that was one of the things I, I went listening to people about what they do and what they've gone to do, how many people hate their jobs and hate what they're working. And in my mind, it's like just change it then, <laughs> like go go do something different. And I suppose I've I suppose whenever I've felt where things have got really on top of me, I've gone and gone on and found something new. You know, when I felt like okay, I'm not sure this is the right thing for me, I've gone and found something slightly different. Uh, now I'm in a much better place where I'm like 100% happy and confident with what I'm doing, and yeah, like I'm I feel really content with where I'm at. Not to the point where I'm I'm chilling and I'm not, you know I'm not not thinking about the next thing you know but yeah yeah that, not a bad not a bad stage to be on yeah I think so particularly in coaching anyway yeah and yeah just in regards to like hey I just want to kind of get on to like what is your sort of like biggest bugbears when it comes to coaching that you've seen around your time um. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing I find frustrating is when people go and watch other people's sessions and hammer them for what they do. Mm. Um, and, and um, you know, but they do it in a, like, a, they never do it directly to the person. Uh, and it makes quite a closed and difficult environment. So mm. I, I think it's really easy to watch someone coach and think, oh, that was rubbish. I shouldn't have done, they shouldn't have done this. They should have done that. But again, from all the courses I've done, and I've certainly done that in the past, and and probably have hammered some people that are far more qualified and experienced than, <laughs> than me and, and look solely at the practice. But I've not really looked at the meaning behind the practice and the logic and the the reasons for those things being put in place. So I think I'm far more open-minded now um, than I ever have been. Uh, but yeah, that would probably be my biggest thing is that coaches critiquing um critiquing all the time which I guess is part of the process of learning and developing but that can sometimes particularly if you're doing that within an environment can quite can create quite a negative environment for people to work and therefore restrain and constrain coaches from being a from being to be able to be them um uh, so for my part I never want I don't know if I do this well enough you, you might have to ask people I work with but I would never want people to feel like they can't be themselves when they're coaching and free to deliver what they they believe in, um, you know, uh, which I think is a real art. And obviously, if you, you can in, in, empower coaches to, to feel like that, that's certainly going to have a, a big impact on, the, on how the kids are feeling too. So, yeah, that's probably my big thing. I think just for any coaches that are watching people work, like taking your own thoughts, but... Um, you know really understand what's going on and you know because it may be you look back at that session that you didn't think was good in a couple of years time and then suddenly you're having to deliver in that environment yourself and you realize it's a lot harder than than your first thought um yeah that'll probably be it yeah definitely just you know touching on that you know thinking about things that on the eye and then having to go through and experience finding out that you know I get the harsh realities of some situation if you had an opportunity to maybe turn back the time and I guess speak Ross Brooks getting into coaching age 17 and taking that level one going give up no one message, uh, one message. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think just be you don't um just be you. Don't uh, don't 
don't change who you are and what you believe in um, to please other people to get the job that you want. Just be you. And I think um, I think that that is probably the biggest thing. I think there's probably been times where I've tried to adapt and change who I am and how I work and to try and fit into the crowd, believing that would give me a better chance of getting a job or, uh, you know, help me build a bit more of a network and stuff. But I think I'm much more relaxed now about that. I sort of much, I know who I am and how I work and I'm quite, I, I don't mind if people critique that. I, actually, I want people to critique me because I want to get better. But as before, I think if anyone hammered my session or went into me about something, I'd like take it to heart. Was sort of now I'm trying to be a little bit more uh, open to that because, you know, it's all part of the, all part of the process but yeah that would yeah. be that would be my thing just just be you and and do believe in what you do and and just keep keep going with it really uh yeah so Ross, you know just obviously now we've got got to where we've got to in terms of your journey and you know i'm just wondering if you started to maybe what your current role what that looks like in the near future and even beyond that what might be next for yourself yeah i I'm quite happy with where I am at the moment. I feel in a really good place. I'm very fortunate for where I'm working. So, um, you know, I feel like I'm quite I'm empowered to try stuff and, and do stuff. And, you know, I'm working at a, a really prestigious club with some really talented staff and players. So I think for me, it's a really good opportunity just to keep learning. Um, I think you mentioned about an apprenticeship earlier. I still feel like I'm very much in my, my apprenticeship at the moment. You know, even though you're sort of 12 years in now. Um uh, but yeah, I think that would probably be my my thing. I think it's just to uh, keep going. And, and in terms of probably future roles and stuff, I, 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 my my aim eventually is to go and be uh, get into a position where I can infect a larger number of people. So whether that be a head of coaching or an academy manager role. So I guess it's just sort of working towards how I'm going to get those experiences to be able to eventually get into that to that role, but whether it be yeah. at West Ham or whether it go on to be another another club so I'm I really enjoy working with the foundation phase I love the innocence and the enthusiasm of the kids I love how much they want to learn um, and for me it's the best age groups to work but there's some challenges from a career perspective in terms of maybe not as much financial progressions within that so mm. as family and my, things become more serious in life uh, I guess it, that that would be where I just have to weigh up what's what's best and what's next for me it'd be brilliant if i could earn the the same amount of money doing the foundation phases as, as if i could be in a you know a, a first team academy first manager. team coach or a academy manager <laughs> no that's not the case so <laughs> um you know i think yeah, in an ideal world i'd love to work with just the young ones but i think from a career perspective i i'm not i'm not sure which way i'm going to go yet uh, if i'm being perfectly sure. honest i know where eventually i want to go and that's something i've always wanted to do from the outset but I'm really loving my role at the moment. So um, if 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 I can stay with working with the youngest ones for for a good amount of time and, and even potentially for the rest of my career and becoming a real specialist in it, you know, then then that's what I'd love to do. I just, I just find because it's not as serious uh, and it's so far away from the the first team, you know, you you. It's it's really different. You turn up to work every day knowing there's not that expectation of results and winning games it's very much around a bigger emphasis on the process of development and improvement and that's something I'm fascinated about I want to become the best coach that I possibly can working in development and understanding how to really maximize the development of a person um, and the process that goes in I, I think go I'm, I'm I'm very much very process orientated rather than goal orientated and I think that's what fascinates me with working with younger players it is very much geared around process rather than the outcome of winning a match or three points um, and I want to get as good as I can be on that and eventually that then leads on to going into first team management or working at you know where results matter I'd like to think that I'm still focusing on the development of people whilst trying to get the the outcome but yeah I'm, I'm still learning that process of development and how to improve um, you know, people and players. I, I just want to get better and better at that. 
Brilliant. And, you know, just speaking of learning and I guess that that mindset of lifelong learning, uh, which I think is going to be very key for any coaches that do want to, I guess, make a real career in the game uh, or just in any walk of life, really. I was just wondering, if, you know, if we gave you 60 seconds now to kind of package away one golden nugget for us uh, and our listeners to maybe take forward and apply within their own, I guess, day-to-day stuff, what would that be? I think you've got to be obsessed like I think about football every second of the day. I, I'm dreaming of football. I, I, there's so many mornings I wake up and I think of a new coaching practice, or I've I've, <laughs> I've, I've dreamt of uh, being at the the dugout or the stadium or managing a team. Or I had a dream a few weeks ago that I was um, I was I managed to get into a first team environment, and that my job at half time was picking up footballs from the <laughs> that went to the crowd. <laughs> like you know, I'm 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 obsessed by coaching. Uh, I'm obsessed by by helping players and helping staff. That's all I think about. Uh, yeah. I, I'm better now, far better at managing my my work to life balance because I probably have got a bit more stability. Where I don't feel like I'm having, I don't feel pressured into having to do more coaching to uh, to live and such. So I think that for me is be obsessed, but make sure you don't neglect the other things that are important in life, and that's a real fine balance. But I think for me, it's just a. I'm just constantly thinking about football. Like I can't stop thinking yeah. about it. I'm watching it all the time. I'm reading it. I'm listening to things. Um, I, I, sometimes I have no idea what I'm going to do with all the information I'm <laughs> listening and thinking to. But yeah, I just, I just, I'm constantly thinking about how I can get better and and how I can improve. Um, and uh, uh, you know, and I think that's probably led to me to get to the role that I'm in now, and hopefully the role that I've the roles that I eventually want to want to go into. So that would be my, yeah. my thing. Be, be obsessed by it. I think we want the kids to be obsessed by football and the coaches should be too. Definitely. Just, uh, just on, you know, I think the common thing I always hear and I guess the, the word that gets thrown about a lot is that element of being obsessed. It is about being uh, unconditionally passionate almost. Um, yeah. About wanting to achieve that success, so I think you're definitely for anyone that is listening to this, definitely have that mindset of you know wanting to immerse yourself in it as well. You know, we, you touched on it earlier about the whole element of the ten thousand hours and stuff. You know, it is really so important just to kind of really immerse yourself in it. Whether that is thinking about what practice you're going to put on, whether that is even visualizing yourself at you know in a first team environment one day, or if that's what you want to you know, aspire towards, um, I guess achieving. I definitely think there's some there's some good bits in there. Um, one bit of advice from Russ, which I'm gonna counter, is don't give up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give up. Definitely don't give up. Um, even if it means you have to if you have to live out of that course for a few weeks, <laughs> it'll, it'll be worth it in the end. Yeah. But um, look, guys, I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. Um, and as usual, I've been joined by my co-host Ben. Um, but a very special thanks to our guest today, Ross Brooks. Um, and on that note, Ross, you know, I wanted to know if there's any way the listeners um, could get in touch with you. Yeah, I think I'm on. A, I'm, try, I'm not like a big social media guy. I think I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think you can get me at R Brooks Coaching. I don't know if uh, Yaz, you can share that, and Ben, you can share that. Yep. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So uh, yeah, if anyone wants to reach out or uh, is taking anything from away from today, it'd be great to. Great to hear from you, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm always happy to to help people as best I can. Uh, you know, uh, from sort of what we spoke about earlier. But no, thank you so much for for having me. And you know, if if, if one person could take something away from today, then then you know, I've hopefully done my done my job. But you know, I really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to have a platform to sort of share my my journey. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, 
get in touch with us on Instagram at the Coaches Network and on Twitter at the Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.